thanks to Living Proof for supporting another mother runner. Switch to Living Proof today by visiting livingproof.com AMR and use promo code AMR to get a free sample of their award-winning dry shampoo with your purchase. Welcome to another Mother Runner Answers. This is Sarah Bowen Shea. And this is Dimity McDowell. And so, Sarah, if you hear me creaking during the podcast, I'll, I'll tell you why. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> awkward, awkward intro. Um, but yes, I learned how, or actually I skate skied for like uh, two, two and a half days. Um, wow. it, was, it wasn't this weekend. I went, uh, we celebrated Grant's 50th birthday uh-huh. um, up at a place called Devil's Thumb, which is this awesome. Oh, I didn't know you were Devil's Thumb. Thumb. Yeah. Yes, I was a Devil's Thumb. Um, and they have this huge, um, it's just a playground. It's a winter playground full of beautifully groomed trails. And um, you can cross-country ski, like classic Nordic ski. You can mm-hmm. ski you can snowshoe you can um fat tire bike um, so anyway so the first day we went out in grant um you know we grew up in la so he was like skateboarder like and then when we when he got older he was a snowboarder so he's really good at like the side stance uh-huh. Uh-huh. so he so he went out on classic nordic skis and i'm like oh skate skiing i did that race gosh I mean, oh yeah the Mount taylor quadrathlon like i remember that now gosh yeah. Yes, like I don't know, was that five, six years ago where literally oh, you start boy. at the bottom of Mount Taylor in Albuquerque, outside of Albuquerque, uh-huh. and you ride your bike, you run, you ski, you snowshoe to the top, and then you come back down doing those four things in reverse. And so, yeah. so I'd spent some time on skis then, kind of uh-huh. taught myself how to skate ski then. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, so I'm out and I'm like, you know, I am just working so. I mean, honest to God, you're like 10 seconds in and you're like, (gasps) (gasps) you know, just, it is just a very, very, um, cardiovascular, uh, challenging sports. Sure. Um, but like long story short is I finally got some rhythm going, you know, and I, I, sure I looked like a, you know, a total yard sale coming across these beautiful trails, but, um, the fat tire bikes, there's certain, there's certain, trails that you were supposed to have the fat tire bikes on and certain ones that you're not because sure. it's really important um, to have, um, or not important, but it really helps to have a um, consistent surface, right? Yes. Yes. And, um, and so this fat tire, people have been on this one called Blue Extra, excuse me. And uh, so I was, I was cruising along. It was like a nice little slight downhill and I'm like, <laughs> oh yeah, and I'm pulling and I'm really going. And I'm like, I got caught an edge in one mm-hmm. In a fat tire bike that wasn't supposed to be there, you know the, mm-hmm. the path. And yeah. oh my god, I went down. So hard. <laughs> I went down so hard, face plant. So my oh, no. pole, my pole, my front pole went in front of a ski. So that and then I went, I face planted, oh. hit my chin, and then my neck ricocheted back. You know, and like almost like slow motion. You know, of course. Oh my god, it hurt. You know, you just like lay there. Of course, nobody's around, thankfully, but. Oh my God. I really thought I'd given myself a concussion. If I hadn't landed on the snow, I'm, you know, if this would have been, oh, a, oh like the, the velocity, the force, whatever that physics yeah. thing, it was, it was massive. So, so the next day I got up and I'm like, I don't know, Grant. And we ended up taking a lesson, which 
Um, hello. <laughs> Wait, that's the way to go. <laughs> yeah, but he wanted he wanted to take well because Grant is training for Boston, uh-huh. so he had run 18 miles on a treadmill. On oh. we left on Sunday, so he he ran 18 on a treadmill because it snowed here on Saturday. So he was not he just wanted like an easy stroll in the park on Sunday. So well, anyway, that's that's neither here nor there. Other than oh my God, my husband has you know long runs have. Um, completely taken over the house. Like there's just a lot of anxiety about weather, how we're getting them in and that kind of thing. Anyway, we took a lesson and um, this cute uh, instructor named Joe from Minnesota, who was a former hockey player, um, taught us. And uh, gosh, it makes such a difference to, to think about you know, to, to have someone teach you how to do something right. Yeah. 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 You know? Yeah. Yeah. I, um, actually took skate skiing as a class during January of my freshman year at Colgate. Oh, wow. Yeah. I think the equipment's improved since then. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so because that was back when they had a January term where you would only take one class. And your class was skate skiing? No, 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 no. My oh. class was, um, <laughs> um, urban folklore and, oh. um, and it only met on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday afternoons from like one to four. And if she kept us until two thirty, she'd apologize for keeping us late. And it's like mm, we still got another hour and a half, but okay. <laughs> so, so there was a lot. We had a lot of time on our hands. Yeah. And so, and you know, Colgate has it's in Central New York. It has lots snow, of snow, lots of snow. So, yeah, it was. But it was so cold. Oh, it was so cold. And I, you know, that was. I mean, they had wool, but <laughs> they had natural, um, you know, fibers, but, but I did not have high tech stuff at all. And so, um, it was, it was not my jam. Do you, but, did you like the, the sport itself? Um, I liked it. Okay. I took it. I must've liked it because then I took it now that, now that I'm thinking about it, I think I'd blocked all this out because then when I lived in Wellesley, Massachusetts with hubby number one in the mid nineties, Oh, we lived right near a really nice golf course. And so I took um, cross skate ski lessons there as well. But it was at night because, oh. you know, I worked at a magazine. I worked during the day. And, yeah. Oh, talk about cold and so dark. Oh, uh, wow. And yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I've had to mainly give up winter sports like that because of my poor circulation in my hands and feet. Yeah. Yeah, well, it was, it was lovely at Devil's Thumb for what it's worth. The sun, I mean, it was perfect. It was perfect. I mean, uh-huh. we, like, we were skiing after our, we went out after our lesson for like an hour. We were uh-huh. without gloves on. I mean, it was oh. that warm and sunny and yeah, wow. I mean, it, was, it was perfect. So wow. anyway, wow. I think, I think that's kind of a new thing for me though. I mean, I liked it a lot. I liked the workout that it gives you. I love that you can get into a rhythm and kind of find, you know, like kind of a nice rhythm slash meditative state, um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. at least when you're not. Uh, if you're on the flats or on the downhills, if you're climbing, <laughs> so the instructor was like, so basically how you climb is an, is an indication of, you know, what kind of skier you are, you know, because that's where you're, you know, you have to really work hard, right. To keep yeah. your rhythm up or not, not even work hard, but really have good form. Yes. Um, and it reminded me actually a lot of running because I mean, I remember back to, um, Chris McDougall's book about um, when he was learning how to run better, you know, his coach had him on uphills all the time because that's where your form has to be really good. Like mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. running uphills is the perfect, yeah. is your best version of your form. So yeah. Yeah. anyway, it was kind of fun. Oh so we'll Oh see. my gosh. But, but Dim, why does it not surprise me that you totally wiped out? Oh my gosh. And that was, that was only one, that was one day. I mean, that was a bad, that was that. I mean, I really did feel like, 
my neck still really hurts. Mm. It doesn't still really hurt, but it definitely, I feel like, cause then the next morning I went to yoga class and I was like, okay, so, you know, like don't ask for neck circles or anything like that because it's not going to happen. Um, but yeah, I mean, and I wiped out a couple other times too, but it was mostly that, that one where you're just, you know, when you just feel so good, you know, and I'm just like, yes, yes. Like kind of a horse going for the barn at the end of the day. And uh-huh. yeah, I really, and I, I blame it on the fat tire bike. So. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, let's dive into our questions. This one comes from Renee in Naperville, Illinois. Hi, Serendipity. This is Renee from Naperville, Illinois. Um, I'm a mother runner of six. I've been running for about two years now. Um, I have done two half marathons, and I will be running my first full marathon in October. I'll be running uh, the Chicago Marathon. My question is about fueling for long runs. Um, I like to... Um, run early in the morning before my house wakes up, and I usually don't eat anything before I head out the door. Um, and then for, for the longer runs, I've tried some gels, but they just don't sit well in my stomach. Um, I really, so I ended up, I've not really used much fuel for my half marathons, and um, I know I won't be able to get away with that for the full marathon. So my question is, what would you suggest I try, and how should I go about adding them to my long runs? Thanks. I look forward to hearing your answer. So we basically got the exact same question from Karen up near Potsdam, New York. So I just got a sense that fueling on long runs is on mother runners minds. Yeah. Well, yay for um, running her first full marathon Chicago. Mm-hmm. That's going to be awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, so a couple of things, and I am not a nutritionist and, and neither are you, I'll say that or a dietitian. <laughs> um, but I mean, a couple of things that came to mind when I um, heard about this question was um, definitely eating the night before a long run is really important. I mean, eating really well throughout the whole week is important, but mm-hmm. you know, the meals that you eat the day before a long run are going to impact your long run for sure. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. making sure, you know, that doesn't mean you always down to a huge plate of pasta on Friday night if you're running long on Saturday, but it means that you are getting, you know, enough carbs like and protein, like brown rice, like a chipotle is, I often think is a great meal right before a long run. Um, easy on the beans, of course. Um, <laughs> but, um, but something like that, you know, so, so if you wake up, um, you don't want to wake up hungry the next morning and then head out for a long run. Mm-hmm. Um, I would also, for her, I mean, I would start to think about a breakfast just because you've got to, I mean, I don't know. I mean, everybody's different. There are definitely a lot of people that can run fasted, which is what she's doing right now, you know, sure. not eating anything before she goes and runs. But, um, you know, the Chicago Marathon, it's, I don't know when it starts, but most marathons don't start super early. So it'd probably be like eight, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe seven, even say. Mm-hmm. And if she has to commute to that, that means that she's getting up at four or something mm-hmm. like that you know, mm-hmm. and then, you know, dropping your bag and making sure she's a port potty and all that kind of stuff. And that's a long time to not have anything in your stomach and then go run a marathon, even if she is fueling. Yeah. Um, and particularly because also putting in the fuel on an empty stomach when you're exerting yourself in a, in a, any distance race, is really tough on the gut. I agree. I agree. You need a nice little like kind of blanket of toast or banana or something in there to kind yeah. of cushion the, cushion the, the sweetness of it. So yeah. yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I guess, you know, I mean, she's got a lot of time um, and it doesn't have to be something, you know, she doesn't have to be up, you know, scrambling eggs and, you know, she make <laughs> making a, waffles. Yeah, exactly. It could be like a smoothie that she puts in the makes on the night before and puts in the fridge. So it doesn't disturb her family um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or something like that, you know, that so that she's getting used to having something in her belly before long runs. And then during the run, I mean, 
again, like, well, you, you really like um, gels, right? Still? I do. I do. Yeah. I'm still a goo energy gel, but I know that they can be rough on some people's stomachs. So I love goo chews. They are tasty. To me, they're like gummy candy, which I don't usually eat in my regular life. So it feels a bit like a treat. It's very portioned out. You know, they come eight in a little sleeve, um, long, narrow container, uh, plastic container and um, plastic wrapper. And so, you know, you can have one, you can set it kind of inside your cheek so it dissolves a little bit and just chomp on it occasionally. And that, in addition to giving you some carbohydrates and electrolytes, typically it helps I think past the time. It's something to think about. Like, oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> you know, what the cavities you're giving yourself? Oh, I do. There is that. The, the, no joking matter. There is that to to remember to brush your teeth after you get home. After you know, when you're in the shower or something, um, you know, multitask. Um, do you like to do you brush your teeth in the shower? When I well, usually I brush my teeth first thing when I get up. But yes, I definitely brush on occasion. Brush my teeth in the shower for sure. Yes, oh, that's I also pee in the shower. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't ask, but thank yeah. you for sharing. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah. So you can do that. I mean, yeah. The biggest thing, like you know, you so you know what works for you is what you're saying is what I'm hearing, right? And yeah. so that's the biggest thing for. Um, for uh, Renee as well, is that you need to try out a couple different things. So obviously the gels didn't work for you. So you could try some chews. You can also try, I mean, there's a bunch of different kinds of fuel out there. Um, and everything from like, I mean, Ellie uh, and the Simply Nourish Like a Mother program has people make energy bites, which are a two to one ratio of fat to carbs. So, um, and that's, you know, that's kind of promoting more of, um, I'm not, again, I'm not a nutritionist, but Basically, like when your body becomes fat adapted, you can run more, you can use tap more into your fat stores. Mm. That's a whole different, you know, exit ramp that we're not going to go off of right now. But that's just a way of saying, you know, like you don't necessarily have to have something in a tin foil package or a mm-hmm. foil package, but you yeah. do need to find something that works for you. Mm-hmm. And then you need to practice it a lot and be yes. very diligent about it. Um, I know like with um, Stephanie, who is our um, ultra coach, you know, I mean, a lot, you know, she is like, you are eating 45 minutes or 30 to 45 minutes into that first run or that first, you know, your first, whatever. It doesn't matter if you're not hungry. It doesn't matter if you are, you know, whatever. She's like, I want people eating. And it might even be earlier. It might even be like 20 minutes into it. You know, that was my secret weapon discovering that, that taking my first gel or whatever people want to take uh, after mile two, instead of waiting till mile four made just a really, really big difference in my energy level throughout long runs and races. Exactly. Well, yeah. I mean, we were just talking about this yesterday and simply nourished, but I mean, the, 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 the decisions that you make at the beginning of the race get amplified tenfold mm-hmm. at mile 23 and 24. So, mm-hmm. you know, again, like it sounds like Renee knows that she needs to fuel. Mm-hmm. Um, and so now the question is you need to like, you have a lot of time. Mm-hmm. I would go to um, a, a running specific store or running specialty <laughs> store. I mean, mm-hmm. and you know, grab a couple different flavors of things or an REI, whatever looks good, whatever sounds appealing and try them. Right. And then also try, if you want to try, I mean, Ellie's energy bites are a little bit like Lara bars. You could try something like that, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, Fig Newtons, dried fruit. Yep. um, That type of thing. And, and, but do keep in mind that when it's jostling around, even if it's um, kind of um, held close to your body, it needs to be kind of um, durable because otherwise you open up your little packet and it's just crumbs. And you know, you're like having to, to snort whatever you put in there instead of put it in your mouth and chew it. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, fanny packs are coming back, so you got a lot of room to put stuff. <laughs> yes, yes. I have so many half-empty containers of hair products because nothing I've tried lives up to its promises. Then I found Living Proof. They approach beauty challenges with technology from MIT scientists. MIT. It tells me we're dealing with science here, not marketing gimmicks. From frizz to damage to fullness, Living Proof products do exactly what they claim to do without using silicones, parabens, phthalates, or animal testing. Living here in humid Portland, I've fallen in love with their Instant Defrizzer, a dry conditioning spray that instantly tames frizz on dry hair by adding softness, smoothness, and shine. It completely improves the look and feel of my hair. Then there's their award-winning dry shampoo that actually cleans your hair. Unlike other dry shampoos, Living Proof doesn't just mask oil, sweat, and odors, but removes them completely, leaving your hair looking clean, fresh, and ready to take on the day. I used it after cycle bar class, in which I sweat like I'm in the Sahara at noontime, and I was amazed by how it transformed my hair. It's perfect for times when you can't shower post-run, like on super busy mornings or after a lunchtime workout. Do what I did and make the switch to Living Proof today by visiting livingproof.com AMR and use promo code AMR to get a free sample of their award-winning dry shampoo with your purchase. That's livingproof.com AMR, promo code AMR for a free sample of dry shampoo with your purchase. livingproof.com AMR, promo code AMR. All right. This one comes from Lindsay in South Carolina. Hi, this is Lindsay. I'm a mother runner from um, South Carolina. And I just had a, um, my question today was regarding something that you mentioned in a previous episode of Answers about um, working with a coach and doing a dynamic warm-up stretches or exercises before and how you felt like that really improved your performance when you started incorporating that. So my question was, what types of exercises um, you did? Was that something you did before every run or just before a workout or long run? Um, was there anything in particular you incorporated after the run? Um, about, you know, how much time did it take? And, you know, what were the specific exercises? Thanks so much. Really enjoy the answers uh, episodes every time. Bye. This is like very trendy right now, the, the dynamic warm-up, right? Like the, the DWU is what we're calling it, yeah. <laughs> yes, and I, they're coming back. They're, we're bringing DWU back because I, have, I think the first time we mentioned it on the uh, show, I talked about how the coach that we worked with, each worked with several years ago, taught us those and you know, showed a video for it. And so then I sort of let them slip by the wayside wasn't when I wasn't working with her. And the older I get, the more important it becomes after every workout to do them, you know, to, to make that five minutes of time to do those workouts because it just, I just feel so much more comfortable. I don't get all creaky to borrow your word from earlier when I stand up from my desk, when I'm, you know, walking downstairs later, it just makes everything feel more dynamic. Yeah. So do you do you do them after your run now? I do. Well, well, so if I the there's two things. Um, those lunges that I talked about on them. Forgetting, do we talk about them on answers or on the regular episode? I um, can't remember. But the lunge yeah. matrix is basically lunging forward, like 45 degrees, 90 degrees, 135, and 180, like mm-hmm. kind of going around the clock with both with both legs. 
Yeah, so those that lunge matrix, and I have to apologize, Jack has chosen this very moment to vacuum upstairs because he kind of owed me a favor, so pardon the noise. Um, but those- for husband's vacuuming, though. We'll take that. <laughs> yeah. And clean rugs. Yes. So he, so, so I um, do those lunge matrices before, let's say I do hill repeats, or if I have to do a really challenging speed workout because those wake up your glutes and let them know, hey, buddies, we're going to be, need you to be firing later. But then, no, the dynamic exercises, you know, the lunges, the, um, you know, knee hugs, the grabbing the quad stretch by, you know, grabbing my foot behind me and pulling it toward my butt, um, side shuffles, um, all those sorts of things. I do those after every workout now. Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah. 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 Well, we're actually, um, it's funny that she should ask this. Um, in, in March, we are doing one of the featured workouts in Many Happy Miles is a dynamic warm up which is why I know the letters D- DWU, which is, um, it's similar. I mean, so you don't, you know, there, there are a ton of them out there, you know, um, and so you can like even just Google one for, um, for running. I mean, the basic idea is that you want to move your body through all the different planes of motion and get all, like you said, get everything kind of ready to, to bear the load of running instead of just going out and starting to run. So, I mean, in this one, there is um, the side shuffles, like you talked about, there's, um, you know, jogging, forward and back pedaling back getting you know mm. getting the back of your body ready um and feeling awake um mm-hmm. great vine is a big one um lunges like you mentioned um uh, do, putting your feet um in a v putting your heels together with your toes out and then bending over to for me touch towards your toes not all the way some occasionally i'll get all the way my toes and then taking a step and putting your toes together with your heels out and doing the same um forward bend motion Yep. Yep. So there's just lots of different things that you can do. Um, and there's a couple also in the train, like a Mo- or on our YouTube channel, which is a train, like a mother club. Um, if you search that you can find them, but yes, I think it makes a huge difference. I mean, just this morning I was trying out the March many happy miles. So I went for a little less than four miles. And before I started, I did, um, I did a lot of those exercises and it just feels good. It just feels oh. good. And like, it feels stretchy and it feels like you're kind of waking everything up. And then, so then when you go to run, you feel more complete. Like you feel like everything kind of is a team player and is working instead of just being like, Oh, my legs are moving. And the rest of my body is kind of along for the ride. Like, Oh my, Oh, my core is supporting me. Oh, my hamstrings are, you know, actually feeling strong and my glutes are moving me along and just, I don't know. You just notice things in a different way. And also, even if, if my pace is the same, it doesn't feel, in that first mile, it doesn't feel as sloggy. Yeah, uh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. For sure. Yeah, so it doesn't take long. I mean, honestly, less than five minutes, probably, and you can even cut it down to about three. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and then the other thing, if you can't, you know, one of the things is obviously right now, it's pretty slippery in places across the country. And so going out and saying, okay, I'm going to do some grapevine before my run, like you might end up, you know, mm-hmm. with a concussion. <laughs> um, so, uh, so even just doing something in your house, and yes. like mm-hmm. sitting, um, like the lunges you were talking about, or glute bridges. I mean, I think glute bridges are like the runner's version of, um, I don't know what that, this is a bad metaphor, but they're like sleep, right? What's the cure for anything? More sleep, you know, or better sleep. And what's the cure for many runner's things is a stronger glutes. And those just getting on the ground and doing some glute bridges and engaging your glutes and getting the rest of that lower body warmed up um, makes a big difference, I think. Yeah, I have to say that I did. I hit um, a little patch of ice on our 
uh, driveway when I was doing the walking lunges. And oh my gosh, it was just, I was just seconds away from a horrific groin pull. And I just was able to pull up out of it. I'm like, oh, thank you. So yes, doing them inside can always be a smart move. Yeah, yeah. So here comes Kelly from Boston. Hi, Sarah and Dimity. This is Kelly from Boston. Um, I My question is about training for a 50K. Um, I've been running marathons every spring for the last, I don't know, maybe 19 years, 19 or 20 years. And um, this year I decided to do a 50K. But I'm wondering about the long run. Do I need to do every long run on a trail? Because according to my running plan, for a month I'm going to be doing 20 to 28 miles each weekend um, for my long run. And I know that's going to take a heck of a long time out on a trail as opposed to just running on a road. Um, so that's basically it. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Yeah. Training for 50K. I love that she has been doing those marathons every spring, the, a, a wonderful creature of habit. And now she's stepping up. So that's awesome. Um, that is awesome. There's a big difference though between a marathon and 50K, right? <laughs> Even though it's only about, what, like five, a little over five miles longer. It just... I mean, I've never done a 50K, so um, that, you know, there, it's, it's a vast difference. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. And I have not either. I wish I would have, but I have not had a chance to do that. Um, but yes. So the, to answer your question, does every run have to be on the trail? No. Would it be good if, you know, four out of five runs are on the trail? Yes. Would it be better if five out of five are? Yes. Um, because it's specificity of training, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. so much happens on a trail that doesn't happen on the road. Um, from, you know, your your footing to your pace, it's going to slow considerably depending upon, you know, the elevation gain and descent and um, the technicality of the trail. And so, and one of the things that we were actually just talking about in the ultra um club was that, um, you know, you know, maybe you go out for a long run and you're good for three hours. And then, um, you, you grow a lot as an athlete from my, from our three to four mm-hmm. on the trail, because of that, you really have to be mentally aware. Still you're tired, you know, on the run, or I mean, on the road, when you are, you know, on that last bit of your long, long run, you're like, all right, I'm just going to get home, you know, and you just turn off your brain and you're just like one foot in front of the other, just get mm-hmm. home. Mm-hmm. You know, where that you can't do that on the trail because you might trip, you might, you know, twist an ankle, you might do something. So that, again, that's going to come in handy a lot on race day when mm-hmm. you're trying to push the pace maybe a little bit or even just finish feeling strong. So, yeah. yeah. And also, you know, it uses, I, I noticed this because now of having um, hardware in one of my ankles, running on the trail just uses so many little muscles that you really don't know you have until you're out there on the trail, particularly around your foot and ankle. And it's important to train those. And, you know, it's not like you go to the gym and, you know, do little foot curls or something really. But um, uh, our friend Bevan, who lives there in Denver, she and I were training for our first marathon kind of together back in um, the last century. And, (laughs) um, and so she did, I'm not remembering what race she did, but it was definitely a road race. And she had done a lot of her training on trail and she really, the converse of this, and she really paid for it because her, the bottom of her feet hurt so much because she'd been used to that softer landing on trail and having just the pavement, you know, her feet felt like she was, they were burning for a good portion of the race. Yeah. Yeah. That's when I was, when I was going to run, uh, 
the New York City Marathon. I didn't end up running it probably because of injury, but, um, you know, Andrew Castor, Dina's husband was going to mm-hmm. train me. I mean, it was like some A6 deal. Yes, yes. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, and I was like, okay, so I'm going to do most of my long runs on the trail. He's like, um, no, you're not, you know? <laughs> and I was like, oh, well, the idea of doing, you know, the fact that I was like wincing, thinking about doing long runs on the road, you know, uh-huh. made, yeah. probably made it sense that I was not going to actually run the New York City Marathon. But um, but yeah, so the, that, speci- that specificity just it really, really makes a difference. And, um, and the other thing, you know, I would think about with this 50K is if it's um, – is looking at the course profile and mm. kind of trying to mimic that during your training. You know, if it's not a, a trail nearby, but it's got a lot of elevation, then you're going to do some hill repeats in the middle of your long runs, um, mm-hmm. both running up and down because that's what you're going to do during the race. Mm-hmm. Um, so stuff like that, whereas, you know, trying to really get um, inside the course as much as you can. And that's, and that's, and that sounds like that's really hardcore. It's not, that's for people who just want to go and have a great day. Because it's you're going to be on your feet for a lot, lot longer than you would be in a regular race on a road race. So, um, so but, just uh, yeah, ahead. and on, also, the, I mean, the same is holds true for a, a road marathon. You know, I mean, that was my downfall, and my proverbial downfall at Nike Women's way back when was that I had stayed on the flats too long to hit the paces that my coach had asked me to. And so then, wow, you know, a race in San Francisco is hilly. Yeah, so, exactly. You know, yeah. it was just, just um, did me in. So it is important to, um, as someone I believe um, said once in a, um, a yellow book, uh, to study a course map like you're cramming for the SATs. <laughs> <laughs> or don't. That's the other option. Sometimes you don't want to do that. But for something that, that this is that, you know, sometimes it's like, well, I'm going to hit it no matter what. But this is such a big event that you do want to look at it. You know, yeah. it's a different thing if it's a 10K or half marathon. Yeah, yeah. So our final question comes from Emily, also in Illinois. She's near Sherman. And it's kind of a long question, but um, stick with it. Hi, Sarah and Demony. I have a question about where to place a rest day during the week. Frequently when I've been on a training plan, the rest, the long runs on Saturday and the rest day is on Sunday and other programs I have looked up online have it the same way, or they have their long run on Sunday and their rest day on Monday. However, in the past when I've not been on a training plan and I've just been doing my own thing, it frequently works out best for my schedule to have my rest day be on Friday. And then in the past, I've also done my, done a long run on Saturday and then on Sunday done something like a bike ride. So my question is, if I am in a training plan and it's normally calling for a Sunday rest day, but I want to have a Friday rest day, how do I attack my Saturday and Sunday? Do I have my rest day, um, I'm sorry, do I have my long run still be on Saturday and then just have Sunday be an easy recovery day or vice versa? I guess I'm just not sure how to attack that if I want my rest day to be Friday during a training cycle. So thanks so much for all your answers and love the podcast. Bye. Yeah, so I, I just feel that a lot of our listeners can relate to this because, you know, I go on to social media or whatever, and I see so many moms who maybe um, work from home or work a swing shift like their nurses or, you know, um, substitute teachers, something like that. And they do their long runs on a weekday so that they're not, um, quote unquote, taking time away from their family. Mm-hmm. So, um 
Yeah. I mean, to me, I think it just, I think just rejigger your training. So that's what you're doing. That Exactly. So she wants to have Fridays off, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, exactly. Rejigger your training. So, I mean, how would you do that, Sarah? Yeah. So that, so that you don't want to have, uh, back-to-back days of hard workouts. So if your training plan, Emily calls for hill repeats and it's on the calendar on Thursday, but you know, you're going to run 17 on Friday, do not do those hill repeats. So, so really it's like, you know, shuffling cards. You have to not, not just move one of them, but you know, um, rejigger all of them. And that can, you know, it can take a little thought because particularly if you're committed to like, for me, I take classes that are only offered on certain days. So that those are kind of um, hard stopping points in my week. So, but um, you know, it can, it can be done with forethought. And then once you get, once, you know, maybe the first week you do it, you're going to have done, you're going to have to have done a let's say you were sticking Emily to weekend runs, then you're going to do your next long run only like five or six days later because you're going to do it on Friday. So that week is not super fun, but, but maybe try to do it on a lower volume week, you know, less, less mileage. But then after that, it's still going to be, then you're going to have, if you stick to that every Friday, um, then you're going to have, um, you know, um, that. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, that's so. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and I also realized I just uh, she wants a rest day during the week. Yeah, she wants so, a rest day on Fridays. Yeah, I mean, but you have it right. I mean, you know, so I mean, like you said, like the hard days. Like, what's a hard day? A hard day is a long run, mm-hmm. anything with intensity. So mm-hmm. any intervals or track work or you know hill repeats, that kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. And then and then um, easy days are obviously easy runs and anything like low impact, like a cross training day, um, not necessarily a spinning class because that can get pretty intense, but mm-hmm. you know something where your heart rate is fairly low, your the muscular demands on your body are fairly minimal. Um, so you you know you want to kind of vary those days, and then you also want to make sure that you have enough rest time in there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. so if 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 the plan has six days of, of workouts, then Friday can be a rest day. Awesome. If she needs an extra rest day, you know, again, I you know, something like two days on, one day off, three days on, one day off, that mm-hmm. um, works as well. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, you just you want to kind of just have this like nice kind of kind of wavy. Mm-hmm. Um, intensity to your um, to your training plan. Yep, yep. Wavy intensity. I like that. Demo. Wavy intensity. There you go. Yeah. And then strength. I mean, you got to get your strength in there too. Um, and I would do that um, on on the easier days. Um, although there's an argument to also do it on the harder days because then your easy days are really really easy. So mm-hmm. it just kind of depends upon what philosophy works for you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All right, um, Dimity. There, we need questions. We, we need, need questions. questions. Otherwise, I'm just going to have to like interview you, Sarah, or you, maybe you could interview me. <laughs> yes, we can talk about the old and golden days at exactly. Colgate when you lived in New York City and ran around Central Park. So exactly. no, one, no one wants to hear that. So <laughs> yes, so please call with questions. And and what is that number again, Dimity? It is um four seven zero badass one four seven zero two two three. 2771. Um, give us your first name and where you are calling from and do your best to keep your messages 90 seconds or less, please. And thank you. Yes. And if you call in and you start um, to get kind of distracted and mumbling, such as I was just doing in that final answer, or you, you know, the dog barks, your kids interrupt you or something, just hang up. Your and husband's call. vacuuming. Yeah, right, right. Um, let's hope that's the case. Mm-hmm. So then just hang up, call back in and don't say, oh, it's me again. You know, just make it fresh from the start. 
So, and please subscribe to the Another Mother Runner podcast to ensure you don't miss a single episode of AMR Answers or our regular Another Mother Runner show every Friday. By subscribing and have it auto-download every time there's a new episode, our shows will be waiting for you whenever you lace up or start folding laundry or embark on your commute. So please do that. Keep the questions coming because we are always here with lots of answers. Mm-hmm.